Got it. Yay, here we are. Hump Yay. day. With the lovely Sammy Ray and the friends. Of course, Sammy Ray here, David Made It Presents on uh, his usual monthly podcast. And uh, we're really excited about this interview today with Sammy. And Sammy, good to see you again. Good to see you too. How you doing? I'm doing well. I I, uh, I know you're readying for a big tour that I think starts around September 16th, right? Yep. Yep. Right. And you guys are going, playing across the U.S. and then over to, I think, the Netherlands and Europe. And it ends in Ireland, I think, in November from when I looked at the uh, the gigs, correct? Yeah. So this whole tour is this first U.S. leg all over the U.S., but we're not going too far south and southeast. And then we'll do some Europe dates and then take a quick break for the holidays and then go do uh, southeast U.S. OK, great. And and tell us, you know, what's to be expected. I know that, you know, you're uh, supporting <laughs> the new If It All Goes South live release, which I've been listening to over the last two nights. and. It's oh, very impressive. It, it it captured the band, you know, at their finest hour. So tell us about that recording and, you know, where, you know, how it came about and how this tour is going to kind of basically simulate that. Sure thing. So uh, the If It All Goes South tour was our uh, second, like, large form U.S. slash Europe um, bus tour, if you will. It was uh, rooms of between 750 and maybe 2,500, a couple that were 3,000. Um, I forget the name. There's like sheds, theaters. I forget what sort of <laughs> bracket that is. Um, but that was our most recent long form tour. We actually ended that in February. We've been off the road um, since then. It's kind of our longest stint off the road. It's been almost a year. We've actually been working on our first LP, our first full length album since then, which is very exciting. Um, we've been in the process of writing and recording that. Um, but the If It All Goes South tour was a really fun one. It was uh, promoting our a single that we put out called If It All Goes South, which we just thought was a really fun sort of world to live in. The idea of this tour was just, if it all goes south, we had a lot of fun. So let's just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks and kind of take the pressure off and have a good time. And what that provided us was a space to uh you know stretch out we've been a band for a while and some of these songs especially because of this two years of covid where nobody could tour we've been touring some of these songs for you know five years um so it was nice to give ourselves an opportunity to kind of try new things with stuff that the audience already knew because most of those cities we already hit one or once or twice um, and we were just thrilled with the way that a lot of those shows ended up we decided to release a live album um so that's available now on all streaming platforms and we're getting ready to go out on uh another upcoming tour we're call we're not really um grounding this upcoming tour in any upcoming release uh because we've been working on the album and good things take time so that's in the mixing process now we're calling this the camp tour and we're you know we're the kind of band that builds a very sort of uh involved world when you step into the space you're not just getting a live show you're kind of stepping into our world in a very theatrical way so we're getting ready to go on the camp tour and we're trying to bring the great outdoors indoors and i think it's going to be a lot of fun i think it's going to be a really cool environment for um audience members who typically just go to a show and see a show and with us they're going to go to a show and see a show but also feel like they're at a campsite so that should that should be a lot of fun we'll see what we get um, but we're just excited. I mean, we've been off the road again for 
almost a year and we're just all itching to get out and play shows again. Great. Great. And it, it, it comes through these parts. I know the 30th uh, anniversary of the exponential uh, music festival, WXPN in uh, Camden, New Jersey, right? Cooper mm-hmm. River Park. That's, uh, you know, Philly, my home, bre- home born and bred. It's going to be a great show. I'm sure I, I see there's old pro medicine show and uh, Tegan and Sarah, Margaret Bright, Margot Price and Bruce Hornsby, but you guys are doing the Saturday slot, right? Yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. that's going to be amazing and stuff. And uh, also Bruce Hornsby, who we worked with uh, this past March, was it in New York? Mm-hmm. In yeah. Um, so I guess we can flash back to that. I, I first met you um, at Carnegie Hall uh, in New York City on the Paul McCartney tribute that was that took place, a tribute to Paul McCartney, um, which was amazing. Your performance was amazing. Tell us, tell us how you felt about that. I mean, you did the solo performance. It's all over the internet if you want to check it out, uh, fans. But tell us about how you uh, felt about being involved with that. That to, will always be an honor of my career, an honor of my lifetime. I mean, I've been an enormous fan of Paul from the time I kind of realized music was music. And from the time I was 12, I knew I wanted to be a songwriter and somehow be a part of a band. Um, and I've always been just so in love with and so impressed with um, Paul is a very melodic songwriter. Pretty much everything is an earworm. Everything has the potential to be a hit. And it's just hit after hit after hit. I mean, I don't think there's any question that he's one of the most um, prolific songwriters of of all time. Um, and something else that really inspires me about Paul's career is uh what's the word i'm looking for it's just album after album after album i mean the man has written hundreds if not thousands of songs which is so impressive so when i was asked to do uh the carnegie tribute i was just really blown away first by looking at the roster and realizing that i was going to be in such talented and accomplished company i felt really honored to be sort of um one of the younger maybe newer to the to to the industry artists that was up there um i learned so much from everybody that i got to sort of live beside for those two days and going back to this thought about how much music mccartney's written over the course of his career um i wanted to pick something that was a little bit deeper cut um because i knew that someone was going to do a fabulous blackbird and and you know a, a wonderful you know big star sort of mccartney hits and one of my favorite albums of all time is ram so i decided to go with Heart of the Country, which I thought really was in line with what I do, which is take a song that's very simple, very catchy, but sort of bare bones and do something really interesting with the arrangement. And it has that fun little, very melodic, impressive scat break in the middle. Um, It was kind of a, a difficult decision for me to decide to do it solo rather than with the band. I have said many times on interviews and so on that the only time I ever get nervous to go on stage is when I'm not with the band. Now I can go on stage with my band in front of 10,000 people and not even think about it. But um, I I just realized, you know, Carnegie Hall is a space that's built for lots of instruments playing all at once without the, you know, facility of microphones or one or two artists just kind of sharing their talents on the stage. And I decided to try it solo. I came up with the little arrangement. I was having a lot of fun of fun with it. And, and I hope that, and I get the impression that this is what happened, but I had hoped that um, that sort of really whimsical, fun 
solar performance. I mean, I played ukulele on <laughs> at Carnegie Hall on stage. I, I hope that in the middle of that uh, tribute, that that would sort of be a bit of a like a break and a and a breath for the audience, and um, that we could all smile together for a second. And that's that's the impression I got, and that's sort of the feedback I've been getting. But all in all, it was it was an honor of my lifetime, and I, I learned such a great deal. I made some wonderful friends, and I'll never forget it. I think about it all the time. Yeah, so I mean that you know you mentioned Ram, what a great release, and you know part of the country. It was really a unique track that you chose, and you you really <laughs> killed it. I mean, I watched the performance from from the upper uh, you know booth uh, where I was seated, and it was really well done. So, and to do something so like that isn't always an easy task. So you definitely yeah deliver the goods and part of the country speaking of I'm well you're originally from Connecticut right and you came yeah. to the city right um you know around college 19 or so and you wanted to be a songwriter and mm -hmm. you've been at it since and that's how I guess you formulated the you know the friends that are now Sammy Ray and the friends and then you guys started playing out I mean it's it's a I mean I don't want to say the word cult but you guys have a huge following like indie all funk yeah. covers all genres of music and the energy level is like i was watching some of the stuff you guys did what central park over the summer mm -hmm. and it's intense and it's you intense. are at the forefront of it okay. i mean so i mean tell us like you know how you, you wanted to be a songwriter and then you get into this and it turns into this ultimate cool jam alternative <laughs> funk you know two <laughs> players you know a diversified all genre you know, yeah. it's sounding live band. That's that's a rare thing these days. Thank you very much. First of all, those are all kind words. Um, uh, yeah. So I just kind of I wouldn't say I grew up in a particularly musical household. My folks were kind of playing the radio and my dad was a classic rock guy and he would play that stuff for me. And I knew that I wanted to be a songwriter. I was really attracted to the idea of, you know, at 12, you're like, oh, I can like share my feelings but through the like lens of lyrics and I don't have to share everything I can use allegory etc and you know not really let people into exactly how I'm feeling unless I want to and I explain the lyrics to them and that seemed really attractive to me I mean what kind of complex emotions do you have at 12 but it, it was special so I started writing songs around then at the time I was uh teaching myself piano teaching myself ukulele a little bit of guitar but not really um, but I started to realize as I got older, what the, the music that was most attractive to me was big old bands, big old rock bands. And I would say I had a, a relatively hard time making friends as a kid. I was just kind of like a very musical, artistic theater child in the middle of the woods in Connecticut. And, um, I I decided probably late in my teens that I was going to do this thing, but I was I wanted to front a band because I was not only really attracted to the idea of songwriting as in write a song and maybe give it to somebody, but I was really attracted to the idea of being at the front of a band. I was a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, big old band. Um, I didn't just want to be a songwriter. I wanted to like be Bruce. I wanted to be Paul at the front of Wings. I wanted to be... Uh, Freddie Mercury at the front of Queen. And I uh, I studied for one year at the University of New Haven. I was studying audio engineering and sound technology. I thought I wanted to be a mixing engineer. And then I quickly realized that I was on the wrong side of the booth and that's not what I wanted to do. To be honest with you, Dave, I think that the, the, the word engineer sounded a little safer for my parents. And so I went and did that. Um, realized that wasn't really my thing. 
I had this weird kind of moment of weakness where I decided, yeah, I'm a good musician, but I should get a real job. So let me go study education. And I left and I moved to um, the Bronx to study childhood education at Manhattan College in the Bronx. And I was there for one semester. And now suddenly I'm in New York City and I'm meeting all sorts of different people. And I'm realizing, you know, I'm not the only arts person in the world. And opportunities started to provide themselves to me. And I left college at 19. I moved to Brooklyn. I was working odd jobs until I could pull the band together, start to pull people together and start to pay people. And um, at that point, started writing The Good Life. And I was you know, I didn't really have anybody in the city. So I was going to all the open mics and like jam sessions that I could and meeting as many folks as I could. And eventually you meet enough people and you say, Hey, why don't I'm trying to do this thing. Do you want to come jam? You want to see if it, if, if it works for you. And if we mesh together and eventually I just found the right players made the good life and the internet loved it. And we started playing shows around New York and then suddenly we had to tour because we kept selling stuff out in New York. And um, it was kind of just like up from there. And you mentioned this thing about like a really dedicated, almost like cult adjacent fan base. I, I think the thing that sets our project apart is that from the very beginning, us, everyone in the band as really avid music consumers and concert goers knew that the thing that was going to make this sustainable and give it longevity was if we made the show as much about the audience as it was about us it's an exchange of energy, right? And it's very simple math. If, if they don't buy tickets and they don't buy merchandise and I don't get to do the thing I love for a living. So if I get to go up there and do the thing I love, I need to figure out new ways all the time to say thank you every step of the way. So we really do a lot to drive home that sense of community, both in the space and like on, on social media platforms, kind of like the digital, digital realm of folks who are fans of us. Um, and it just goes over well. It's fun. They're, they're just wonderful people. We have, we're really, really lucky to have such a, a kind, you know, generous, uh, very creative, very fun audience. And they're all willing to just like, oh, we're going to camp this tour. Okay, um, let's go to camp. Let me, let me, let me get my outfit, and I'll see you there. Um, but it's great, and we miss them. We miss them a lot. <laughs> You know, it's very interesting. Uh, again, like you, you obviously, I'll get back to your your talent. I mean, you have great, your vocal nuances are amazing. You're, you're multi-instrumentalist, but the band, you know, and the friends, I mean, you have great musicians in the band. So yeah. it sounds to me yeah. like you're, you're, this was like, it was all built organically and you're mm -hmm. covering all, I'm mean, obviously you're very intelligent. I can, I can tell immediately, but it, it you know, it's like you get it. And it's some people like they don't have the total package. I mean, Will Lee mentioned you. He's like, you have to check her out. She's amazing. And then I heard you perform at, at Carnegie Hall for the McCartney tribute, like I said earlier. And I was totally floored. And then I looked into the band and I'm like, wow, these, you know, this band is really amazing. So there's yeah. a lot of energy on stage. So again, you have the full package. I really think that this band, you know, has already proved themselves. And I think that you're on to the next plateau and, and you're going to climb with it. So I, I hope that, you know, well, thank you. That's you very kind. You deserve it. So I, <laughs> I say this and I don't want to keep talking. Is there um, plans in the future, obviously for some new music from Sammy Ray and the friends, you know, after this tour, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So we've, like I mentioned, we've once 
we were touring sort of the tri-state area mainly before the COVID lockdown. And we ended up dropping an EP while the whole world was locked down and we couldn't tour for, you know, maybe 18 months, but we really worked hard to maintain that sense of community online and the audience really loved the EP. So by the time we were able to safely tour again, we had an opportunity to tour the entire US and with the sort of size of rooms and numbers of people that we totally couldn't have expected. It was, it became, we very quickly were like thrown into long form touring. And I think that we all adjusted very well. Um, but this last, I mean, since February, so March, April, May, June, July, August, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like eight months is the longest we've been off the road, really, in, in since we've started touring. And we've been working on our first full-length album. So this will be, it's like 11 new original songs. Very excited about that. And that's the kind of thing, again, that takes time. you got to take some time and remember how to come off the road and be a person and be inspired and write it. And then if you want, to, if you want it done right, you got to take a long time recording it. So... We're going to be releasing some of these singles uh, throughout the course of this tour. Probably not the first leg of this tour, just because it's, I mean, we just left the studio last week. And again, these things take time. Um, but ideally, we'll have some rele releases for Europe and some releases for the second leg of the U.S. tour. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we're dropping an album. I mean, it probably will take about a year, but we're going to start rolling out singles in the next couple months. And we're very excited about it. You know, also The Good Life, which is the first EP we put out that established so much of the fan base for us and really established our sound and I think kind of carved our place. I was 21, you know, I was I was 21 and I was I wrote those songs, was singing with my 21 year old vocal cords and I also produced the whole project and just so much has happened since then from standing still in a recording studio to making your first recording and having never really been on a stage to spend the last several years playing for, you know, 1,500, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 people a night. Uh, we've just learned so much from each other and about ourselves and from the road and from the audience. And this album is just, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture of where we are now as, you know, adults who have spent some time listening to good music, making good memories and playing good shows. So we're very, very excited about it. Great. Very well, excited about it. Sounds like there's a lot planned on the horizon and, you know, please everyone check out, you know, SammyRay.com, R-A-E, SammyRay.com and see the tour dates, go see this band live. You will not be disappointed by any means. And check them out. You can download the new release, you know, if it all goes south on Spotify, Apple iTunes, all usual digital downloads, just like this podcast will be available on Spotify apple itunes and that is free but anyway i, I wish you the best of uh, luck with this tour u.s netherlands you know europe ireland and you know what's what's planned and in particular i'll throw this out there you know the 30th anniversary uh xpn big festival camden new jersey at cooper river park go see sammy ray you know and the friends and the date is the 23rd the saturday afternoon so i'm yeah. looking forward to it and i know the, the listeners at 88.5 are really into you know the band so you're going to get a lot of support here so again i thank you for doing the podcast Sammy ray it's it's been a pleasure uh, of course thank you dave i appreciate you making the time and uh, we can't wait we can't wait for camden so we'll see you then great see you there thank you awesome thanks a lot thank you